This is A&A's Tall Tales. I'm Amanda. And I'm Andrea. And we thought we would do something a little bit different today. We are going to do our own personal experiences to try and explain why we're into this stuff, how we got into this stuff, that sort of thing. And we just thought it would be fun for you guys to kind of get to know us a little bit better as well. So the first tale I have is one of mine. And it goes a little something like this. When I was younger, probably late middle school, early high school, I was with my mom and my brother visiting my aunt in New Jersey. And we decided to try and find the famous Clinton Road in Milford. We got lost doing so, uh, stopped at a gas station, filled up because we needed gas, and asked a guy hey, do you know where Clinton Road is? And he pointed us to Clinton Road. It was not the Clinton Road in Milford, New Jersey. It was old Clinton Road in, I think it's Flamingo, New Jersey. So it was nighttime. We were going down this road and there was this one lane. And if it wasn't one lane, it was a really narrow bridge that a couple feet further down was a pretty severe right-hand turn. And right where that right-hand turn sat, there was a house. So as we're going through the bridge and go past the house, I have no memory of anything between pretty much just over we got over the bridge to when we got off the road. And I talked to my mom, who was driving, and she does not either. I don't know what was there, but even my brother, who isn't sensitive and doesn't really believe in this stuff was freaked out. I'm going to try to explain this to you. So you know how much I hate the isolation at the reformatory, right? Oh, like hugely. Yeah. So if you told me I had to choose between going on old Clinton Road again and spending 24 hours by myself in isolation in the reformatory, no lights, no camera, no phone, no computer, no nothing, just me in the darkness, I would be at the reformatory so quick, <laughs> it would knock your socks off. That's pretty bad because you hate isolation at the reformatory. Yeah. And this is how much I hate Old Clinton Road. So beyond the, my mom and I can't remember anything about this certain section of road, when we got off the road, I was in the back seat. My brother was in the front seat and my mom was once again was driving. I had my book bag full of like video games and books and stuff between my feet. And then on the seat next to me was my brother's backpack. So his cell phone at the time was a flip phone and flip phones had just come out. And I had our old brick Nokia phone, but that was in my backpack. So he has his phone I have our old phone that we used to share. I have zero explanation for the bright blue light that emanated from his backpack next to me for like 10 to 15 seconds until I mentally told whatever it was to leave us alone and then it disappeared. That's, um... (laughs) Yeah. Got all the hair on my arm standing on end right now? Yeah. So that was my first, I cannot explain this. This was weird. I mean, just to have everybody in the car experience pretty much the same thing 
it just, that blue light event was personal to me. And I don't even think my mom or my brother know about that. I didn't tell them. So I'm like, they're going to think I'm crazy. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was my first true, I can't explain this sort of personal experience. Wow. Once again, your audio on that is cutting in and out so bad, especially from like when you started talking about the blue light. I think I only caught like every third or fourth word again. What the heck? Of course. <laughs> it, it was fine just before we were recording. And after we stopped recording the first time, it, it was fine. Just while I tell that story, it goes in and out apparently. So that's cool. This is the second time that Amanda has told this story. And for the second time while she told this story, her audio, we're having recording issues. Like I can't hear her. So that's pretty spooky. And now as soon as you stop talking about it, absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, um, let's move on. So how's about yeah. you? Yeah, <laughs> okay, let me, I'm like, kind of want to get up and walk around. I have goosebumps. Um, whose idea was this to record personal experience stories on a full moon night with the wind howling against the window? Like, I don't know if you can hear that right now. I I thought it was perfect. It's fantastic, but I am all sorts of froggy right now. Okay, so I don't have a lot of personal experiences. I think like I've, I've said before a couple of times, I'm fairly oblivious to a lot of stuff like this. However, I grew up in a 200 plus year old house. And when I was a kid, my parents stripped this house down to the studs and renovated it. So the original house, the cabin is now the kitchen and it was built in the late 1800s. And the house has been added on to over the years into the early 1900s. And as late as my parents added an addition to the upstairs and right about when they were, they ripped the roof off and added what became my parents' bedroom. We had a freak pop-up storm. I think we ended up with several inches of rain out of nowhere so at the same time, Oof. yeah, it was, and we live at the bottom of a valley. <laughs> so at the same time that they were putting up the new trusses and had the entire house opened up, I mean, there was no plywood down. There was no roof on the house at all. It wasn't just that they had shingles off of the, the house. The entire house was open. Oh no! I mean, like daylight mm. bare trusses. So at the same time that that was going on, our neighbors across the street who are up on top of the, the hill in the valley, they were building a sunroom on the front of their house. So they had contractors up there. And my mom and dad did a lot of the work on our house themselves. This rain starts and I was fairly young at the time. I was in first and second grade at that point. So that's you know, seven, eight years old, maybe. I vividly remember, again, this is a, an old house and they had everything stripped down. I vividly remember water running down the stairs from the upper floor to the, 
the first floor like a waterfall oh my God. when this this rain opened up out of nowhere this tr- this truck pulls in this construction workers truck pulls in the driveway and he has a tarp that covered the entire house he climbed up there with my dad and helped him tarp the entire house one single tarp and now mind you it's not uh, it's not a huge house but it's not a postage stamp either i was gonna say i've been there that's not a tiny tarp at all no it it was it was an enormous tarp so this this total stranger he told my dad as he after he helped my dad tarp the entire house saved the entire house he told my dad that he was working across the street and he saw that the roof was off of our house as they were working on the, the sunroof at the neighbors. And he, he knew he had a tarp at his house. He rushed home and got that because he just couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't let our house get flooded. So he rushed home, got that tarp and brought it back just within minutes of that storm starting. And got the entire second story covered. So the storm passed and again, I was fairly young. So the concept of time at that point, it was, it was at least an all night gully washer of a storm. When we got the tarp off the house from all the way from the runouts on the house side of the horse barn to just past where the chicken coop is Mm -hmm. that tarp covered the entire backyard there it was that large holy shit who just has a tarp that big that's they don't even make them that big it it honestly was it was a very heavy almost like um what they tent a house with to like smoke it for termites type of, of tarp but it was, it was enormous. I mean, even my dad yeah, that is talking huge. to him now about it, you know, as a kid, your concept of size is, you know, not the, the most reliable thing. But even my dad to this day, when he tells the story, he's like, no, it was an unreal, enormous tarp. So we let that, that tarp dry out and it took a while <laughs> Yeah. And when I say it took a while for it to dry out, it was a day or two. You know, it wasn't just uh, you can shake it out and it's dry kind of thing. Got it folded up and it took two people to load it in the bed of my dad's little S10 truck. And it took up most of the bed of the truck. So he takes this tarp up to the neighbor's house and he never got the man's name. He asked around for about, you know, the contractor described the guy nobody that was working up there knew who he was they'd never met him before they'd never seen that truck before so dad just left the tarp up there and you know told him if he stops by it's it's his you know we would love to know his name we would love to you know buy him dinner kind of thing just say thank you in any way we possibly can we never never found him no idea who he was and to this day, we're all fairly convinced he was 
he was some sort of literal angel. That is insane. <laughs> right? It's, um, yeah, it's one of those that, well, you know my dad. He is not, not a very um, easily impressed kind of guy with stuff like that. Yeah. And there's, there's really no other explanation. Um, not even our neighbors, who we're, fairly, we're very good friends with, had ever seen the man. Just... And he, yeah, he expressly told my parents that he was working at the house across the street. And he never, they had no idea. Oh, I got chills. <laughs> the good kind of chills, not the bad yeah. kind. Yeah, I'm literally oh. sitting here with like my hands in my armpits because I have chills. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so... That was that was probably my first and really biggest encounter with anything like that. That's a good one. I have a couple of other, you know, experiences, feelings more than anything that the only reason they really stick out is because that little red horse never spooked at anything except for that one time. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, your turn. I can't follow that up. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, uh, so here, here's the thing is your parents knew, you knew all of your neighbors. Like, you don't have a lot of neighbors. There aren't a lot of people around where you can just drive no, to your houses. house. And, yeah. <laughs> you just, oh my God. Okay. All right. So... I'm trying to go in chronological order. So my next one would be a place called Old Xenia Road. So on Old Xenia Road, there are some woods. And in the woods, there is a barn and an old house that are supposed to be super haunted. So my mom and I go out. And when you park there, there aren't any like no trespassing signs or anything. So we couldn't like go up and ask for permission because just that there was no one around. There's just fields and woods and a barn in them. Um, so she Ooh. parks off on the side of the road and, you know, we start walking in, we get about halfway to two thirds of the way to the barn. And she's just like, I just can't leave the car sitting on the side of the road. Like somebody's going to hit me. Someone's going to steal it. I'm going to get ticketed. I just need to make sure that like I'm there. And I was old enough at that point where she was okay with me walking an extra like 200 feet into the woods and coming back, finding my way back out. So I walk the rest of the way to the barn and it's probably like would have been a bank barn at one point, but it's not in good shape. It's severely decayed. And this was decades ago. This was at least a decade ago. And so I walk up to it and immediately two large vultures fly out of the top windows and land on trees nearby. It's like, okay, well, that's omen number one. I shouldn't be here. Um, uh, no. Yeah. And mind you, it's fall at this point and late fall. So there's a bunch of leaves on the ground. So everything's, so every time I move, I make noise. But I spend probably a minute or two just walking around. I don't go in any of the buildings because I'm not dumb and decide, you know, 
I'm done. These birds are just kind of giving me the evil eye. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to go. My mom's probably starting to get like, okay, where is she? So I start to leave. Mm -hmm. The area where I was was a little bit of a clearing. So I turn around and I start walking. I get about halfway through this clearing and I hear rustling behind me. And I think, oh, it's a squirrel or some other woodland creature. Except a squirrel or a woodland creature would not make heavy footsteps. No. Like legit footsteps behind me in the leaves. So I stop, the footsteps keep going, and I just, just bolt. (laughs) Get the heck out of there. Get the heck out of there. And there was no one around. Like, it was super secluded. And I didn't look back to verify what it was or was not because I was, we're getting out of here. So my mom... I asked her just to confirm where she was because I couldn't remember. And she goes, oh, yeah, you just came like sheet white running out of the woods and wouldn't talk about it. Okay, and you're not somebody that gets spooked in the woods. No, I love the woods. I'll go live in the woods. Let me hug a tree. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Yeah, that's you are not not somebody that gets spooked in the woods at all. Also, I'm going to uh, let you know again that as soon as you said vultures, your audio cut in and out for about 15 seconds again. Just FYI. Good. And it, it's fine now, again. Yeah, so. so only when I tell spooky, scary stories that I probably shouldn't be bringing up. Yeah, we're just going to not. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to sage the house when we're done. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so my next and really only other unexplainable encounter also happened in the woods. Ooh, do tell. Yeah, it was actually a little over a year ago, so fairly recent. And with my birthday being at the end of October, I typically take one of the horses out, if not on my birthday, at least around then, which... Sometimes it's Halloween day, (laughs) sometimes it's the day before, and take them and go trail ride out at Malabar or Mohican. So last year, I took my little red out, and we did the almost 14-mile blue trail loop at Mohican solo. Oof, that'll be nice. Yeah, Yeah, it was... (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna make myself cry. Oh no. (laughs) Red, in the time that I got with him, there was nothing that ever even gave that horse pause. I'm talking when we would go trail ride down in Kentucky with all of their no leash laws and be riding down roads. We had a pack of German Shepherds come off of somebody's property and chase us. And he never hesitated when I turned him around to chase them back. (laughs) (laughs) He was a padded show horse Tennessee walking horse in his youth before I got him he was never really had never really seen a trail before and within a few months of getting him he was swimming rivers where his feet were coming off the ground with no question asked there was literally nothing that that horse ever said no to so to take him out and do a 14 mile loop in the middle of nowhere on our own never crossed my mind that I would be anything but completely safe which, I mean, we all know that don't go off in the woods by yourself on a horse. Yeah. Typically, but... Red was different. Yeah. We hit 
about the six mile mark, which puts you down at the bottom of the Mohican River Valley, going over one of the tributary creeks that empties into the Mohican River. It is almost smack dead in the middle of Mohican State Park, which is over a thousand acres of old tree, old pine, hardwood, forest. And like I said, Red never, never once. This was the only, only time before or after this that he ever refused anything for me, ever. I'm not even sure that you and I have have made this ride before. No, I have never ridden that long with you. I'd love to, but like my back sometimes says no. Right. And a lot of times when we're out, I'm on one of the young horses in training. But anyway, um, so we had just stopped in a creek. He loved to stand in the water. It was a fairly warm fall day, letting him cool off because he had a little bit of a winter coat already. And we'd just done six miles pretty much bulged the wall wide open and I was I grabbed a granola bar and we rested for about 20 minutes and just listened to the water listened to nature we came up out of that creek and headed up the hill to get back up on top of the ridge and and start the home stretch and there is a section of that trail that is almost straight up the side of a sandstone ridge They have steps built into the trail with um, four by four posts to hold the trail from washing out. It's a pretty serious upward hike. And about halfway up the hill on one of those steps in the middle of several enormous hardwood trees that would probably take two to four full grown men to wrap their arms around. Red stops mid-step, stops dead, stops breathing, like holds his breath. There was no other sounds going on. None. Like, there was no bird sounds. There was no... It it, it seemed like even the wind had stopped. There was a very musty, musky smell, like rotted leaves, wet wet foliage. Mm -hmm. Red stood there for several heartbeats. One of those that it felt like... It felt like forever, but it was probably less than five seconds his ears went flat against his head his tail tucked down real hard his back end came up underneath him and he booked it he noped it the heck out of there straight up that hill in about three leaps wow we made it all the way it was probably a good half to three quarters of a mile before i could get him to settle he was jazzed like somebody hit him with with a hot shot. I mean, just head almost up to, you know, back to my chin, stepping up to his knees with his front legs, blowing like a freight train. Freaked. So whatever he caught a whiff of, whatever he heard, he saw, I I didn't see it. I just knew that horse well enough that um, it had to have been something pretty massive for him to hightail it. Yeah. And I mean, he was more sensitive, like, I don't want to steal your stories, but (laughs) going by like the Seely Rose house and the graveyard and stuff, he did not like those areas with sidestep and pin ears. So he was definitely a lot more sensitive, but for him to do He never said no. I mean, you wrote him enough to know. Oh yeah. He never said no. He'd say, okay, but like, we're doing it sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he would say, I don't like it, 
I mean, even getting back into the fairy woods where (laughs) (laughs) some, you know, but he never said no. Yeah. And especially like he was, when you first get on, got on red, he was very high energy, but then after a couple miles, he'd settle in. So I can imagine he would have settled in long enough ago that he wouldn't have been that energetic, that that was just something he was doing. No. And I mean, we were loose rain, just loose, flat walking down the trail, nothing. He had just come off of a rest, but this, this wasn't his, I'm feeling good showing off, want to get up into a fast rack kind of thing. This was, nope, get out of here. Yeah. Hold on tight. Yeah. I'm getting us to safety. I mean, it, there wasn't even, you know how he always carried his tail straight up in the air and off mm-hmm. to the side. He, his tail was tucked. He wasn't being energetic. He wasn't being goofy. He was, he was scared. He never acted like that before and he never acted like it since. Not even, that was not the first time we had ridden through that trail and it was not the last time we rode through that trail. So it wasn't even just that particular area that he had an issue with. There was something there. And we've seen foxes and stuff on our trail rides that he's just been like, Mm -hmm. yeah, whatever. So it's not... I mean, I kid you not, he, he turned in with a pack of half a dozen German shepherds coming screaming, barking down the road at him, turned and ran straight at them, you know, racked straight at them without hesitating. It's not even that I think there was some sort of, you know, typical predator. There haven't really been sightings of bears or anything in that area in a very, very long time. I know there's some, there's been some bobcat sightings here recently, um, recently enough that it could have been something like that. But I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, that's, that's weird. And very uncharacteristic yeah. for him, unless something Extremely. is seriously wrong. So, yeah, that was my, my really, my only other zero explanation. I have, I think, one or two more. Um, if your audio so... starts breaking up again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course it's going to, so. It has been completely fine this entire time, so mm-hmm. I'm just telling you. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. So this next one for me was once again, late high school. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, Went to visit my aunt in New Jersey with my mom. So when you walk into her house, there's like a sitting area that's longer than it is wide. And to the left is a little hallway with a bathroom that would basically be right in front of you when you walk in. And then her bedroom would be off to the left of that. And then to the right of you when you walk in goes back into like the kitchen, the dining room, the family room, upstairs, that whole thing. So we were in that front room. It was me, my mom, my aunt, and a bunch of my cousins and my like second cousins or whatever their kids would be in relation to me. And we were all just sitting around chatting, having fun. So there was a bunch of us in in the room. So when I looked up and saw someone standing in the doorway of her bedroom, because I was looking right at her bedroom, I didn't think anything of it until it was five minutes later and that person still hadn't come back out. Now, mind you, there's no reason for anyone to be in the master bedroom. And then... 
I sat and thought about it some more and went, it was a person. Who was it? Why didn't he have a face? <laughs> Why was he all black? Holy crap. So Ooh. didn't say anything to anyone. My mom and I got back in the car and I went, so I think I just saw a full body operation while we were all sitting there. She goes, oh, good. So you saw it too. I went, are you no kidding way. me? So apparently my uncle died in the house and he's apparently still there. So yeah, her house is haunted. So that was fun. I mean, at least it's not like... I mean, it's not like my other stories. Did my audio cut out at that? <laughs> yeah. No, it didn't. And the wind, I don't know if you can hear it, but the wind is literally hitting the window behind me so hard. It sounds like somebody's screaming. And so your audio did not cut so out that one time. time I tell something that's not a spooky, scary, malevolent story. Why are we recording this right before bed? You got any more stories? <laughs> not, I mean, not particularly. Not personal experiences like that. I mean, so I did mention growing up in a very old house that had lots of renovations that went on. We do have a running joke in our family that every time the the house creaks or something would bump, you know, the heater would turn on and the sump pump would turn on or whatever, that Doc, I say that for a reason, Doc is in like doctor, Gribbling, which the Gribbling farm was the original farm in, and homestead in this part of the county. The house that I grew up in was originally the, um, the farmhands, the helps house cabin. There's, there was a rumor that Doc Gribbling died in the house. And we, we knew that rumor because the last of the Gribbling line was actually still living up into, uh, while I was in high school, she passed away just short of 100 years old wow. when I was either a sophomore or a junior in high school. My mom took care of her and kept her home until she she broke her hip and um, ended up in a, a rehab home. And she she never recovered from that. But she didn't have children. So my, my parents and my brother and myself were very much treated like family. And our whole neighborhood, which is all of, you know, six houses, very fondly always called her Grandma Grib. Her husband, who passed away when I was much younger, he was an amateur historian. The Red Barn, where I have the horses now, mm -hmm. was filled to the rafters with antiques. And that was his retirement plan and kept her home until the day that she, she passed kept her comfortable. Yeah. She was in a, a nursing facility for about a month, but he had between 40 and 70 pages of history of the, the farmstead and the buildings and the barns and the homes. And yeah, so that's where we got our, our Doc Gribbling, who to this day, we still joke, you know, sitting at the kitchen table playing board games or something and hear a creak in, in the house, which, you know, old houses settle and everything because not like mm -hmm. anybody's ever seen or felt anything there. Um, you know, one of us will be like, Doc, leave it be. That's <laughs> <laughs> basically our, that was our, to this day, our running joke. That's kind of adorable, actually. Yeah. It's never anything, you know, harsh or scary. 
just fun. You have all the nice experiences. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm oblivious to stuff. Yeah. It just it's not um I know you are. I know. I, I do have quite a bit of interest in the legends and lore and myths. I've always loved that type of thing. I mean, my grandma handed me a Louis L'Amour book when I was seven years old. And I can't take her to a bookstore where she will find <laughs> the Louis L'Amour section. And she's like, I have this one. And then she'll point to like the entire row. He's still my favorite, but it, it he really, he began a love for that type of story. And again, I grew up and still live 20 minutes from Malabar Farm, from Mohican State Park, from the Ohio State Reformatory. I remember as a child, before school age even, my my mom took my brother and I on one of the wagon rides out at Malabar Farm. And at that time, part of the tractor ride was stopping in front of the Sealy Rose house and hearing the story of Sealy Rose and then driving down the road and across the, the field to the, the cemetery where Sealy is buried. That type of thing opened up a love for folklore and stories, and I've never lost it. That's kind of why we're doing this right now is because you love that stuff. I love that stuff. <laughs> and we threw an idea out there and you ran with it. I do that. I don't think. I just say, okay, we're doing this and go. It hasn't turned out well. I don't think well it's a bad thing. A lot of times. <laughs> I think it's turning out just fine it's now. It's turning out just fine now. That's because I have you. Oh, you're going to make me blush. No. Well, this next story, this is my last one, will not make you blush. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. Let me have it. Especially because it involves you. What? So I believe it was the first, no, it was the second time we went to the haunted house at the reformatory. So it was you, me, and Sarah, and... We were in the front of the pack because for some reason we always got pushed to the front of the pack, which is fine, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Because everybody else was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Middle and back is not where you want to be, by the way. Front is prime because, yeah, you get jump scares, but then you don't get the people creeping up behind you, which is worse than the people coming at you from the front. Anyway, just a little Agreed. tip if you, if you need to go to a haunted house at some point in time. So we were walking through uh, one of the cell blocks. I believe it was the one with the library in it, which is creepy to begin with. Mm -hmm. But we were walking through and I just happened to look up in like the second row up. So like probably the third, third row of cells. We were being followed. What? <laughs> yeah. And... You think, well, it's a haunted house, there's lots of people, there's lots of actors and stuff, except no, never, ever, ever on any of the rows of cells. So you have the ground floor of cells, and then you have, like, stories of cells. So there's, what, like, four or five stacks of cells on top of each other? At least. And so you don't go up on any of the stacks because it's not super safe and there's like lead paint everywhere yeah, so it wouldn't have been someone from the haunted house some one thing was following us Whew. it was way scarier than anything i was i was wait and i was there yeah you were with me 
It was Yumi and Sarah. I didn't even notice. No. Nope. What in the world? And it was like stalking us too. It wasn't just following us, looking at us. It was stalking us. Wow. No wonder you don't like isolation there. Yeah. So that was, I don't know if you remember, we got in the car and said an all father and like <laughs> that, that, that was why we did that was because something was creeping on us and I wanted no part of that. Was that the time I tried to get the guy that was like making all the groups pause so they didn't bunch up, go with us for the rest of the time? Probably. Yeah, I think that was that was mostly what I remember from that because I think he wanted to go. <laughs> he kind of did. He was pretty cute, if I remember correctly. I don't even know if I remember that. It was just funny because maybe that's why we wanted him to go. <laughs> so I don't remember if I have mentioned this before or not. Did I tell you, speaking of the reformatory, that my grandma randomly dropped on us not too long ago that she worked as a nurse or an intern at the TB ward at the reformatory while they still had prisoners there. What? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to give her a call about that one because she just kind of randomly dropped it on us right before she, they moved back out to Colorado and I never really got the full story. Oh, I need, I need to get in touch with her because stories. I'm I'm sure she'll have one or two. She definitely enjoys telling stories. (gasps) I get it from somewhere. (laughs) Um, So the only other thing that I really have, um, you actually have been there several times with me as well. And it's another one on horseback. There's a theme. (laughs) I wonder what it is. In case y'all hadn't figured it out, I ride and train horses and spend as much time as possible on horseback in the woods. There is a section of the horse trails, the bridle trails between Malabar farm and Pleasant Hill that Amanda and I have dubbed the fairy woods. There's some, I'm not sure how to completely describe it, but there's a stillness, even though you are very close to two very busy state thoroughfares there's a little bit of blurry between seconds time is is strange there yeah these these woods they're hard to describe they're hard to describe it's well so the trees are completely different in that section the foliage between the trees is completely different you just you feel like you want to apologize for being there for no reason even the the cliff face that the trail winds around is almost older than the rest of the park. I don't think I've ever seen squirrels or birds or chipmunks or deer or anything other than us when we ride those tra- that trail. And it doesn't seem to ever matter how many other trailers are parked there or however many other people we pass riding on the trails. There's never anybody else there. And it is dead silent. Like you can see the cars driving by going, I should be able to hear that. And you don't until you reach the top and of the, the crest of the hill of the rock and go down and the other the side. And just the horses like, and you can tell when you get there because even the horses like just kind of Still. tense up and bunch up a little bit. Yeah. And then you can tell when you're out of it because they just completely relax. Yeah. Like ears forward, 
start Head breathing bobbing. again. Yeah. And there is always a very strange oval of thick green, bright green grass. Which, if you look at it, like when there's snowfall or when it's just dirt, there's no at least obvious like depression that would make it hold water that would cause that. No, it's also there's no trees that grow in that there's no brush that grows right in that particular area. It's always, always just grass. <laughs> there's never mm-hmm. even really fallen leaves over it. Not really, no. It's it's a very interesting area. I suppose there could be a very logical explanation as far as um, a pocket ecosystem there. But it's a very, it's a very interesting area. It's beautiful. It is. It's gorgeous. But time feels funny there. But you just kind of feel like it feels funny and you just feel like you kind of have to tiptoe through it. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like whisper your I'm sorry's, thanks for letting me be here. I'll be out of your hair in like no time. And yet we go back every time. Because I love it. (laughs) And I know, I know there's a logical explanation, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to let myself have this. (laughs) Right? It's, it's my favorite part. Mm Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, that's. That's basically it for me. Yeah, I have probably a couple other stories if I sit down and think about it, but nothing more than like, oh, it's a weird feeling at this building, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So that's all I got. Well, hopefully in the course of doing this podcast and our research and going places, we collect some more personal experiences. Yeah, we might need to do one of these like once a year or twice a year as we because we're actually heading to Blue Limestone Park this weekend to check that out. Spoilers. I cannot wait. I am so excited. I am so I'm so, so glad that you get to go spend time with your family over Thanksgiving. I'm also selfishly wishing that we didn't have to wait to go to Mohican and check out everything for our next topic i will be home on saturday we can go on sunday (laughs) (laughs) if the weather's decent we almost have to um yeah especially if i can convince my brother to drive oh there you go yep so that's about it for this one yeah if you have any personal stories any places or legends that you know of that you would like us to cover shoot us an email yes we have had several suggestions put forth so far that are oh i cannot wait to cover some of these topics oh yes i am so excited i've already heard of several different things that blew my mind number one had never heard of before and are in ohio still so Mm -hmm. that is one thing too guys your stories do not have to be in ohio we want to hear them Mm mm-hmm so don't be shy. We talked about this as the stuff we will personally cover that we will personally be interested in will most likely be Ohio just because that's where we are. But if we had one person, like I said, Clinton Road in New Jersey is actually why that story got brought up uh, to and me And what recently. are the odds? I right? So we'll be covering that because it was requested even though it's not in Ohio. So shoot us an email 
send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or even comment on YouTube and we will see it. We will look into it. Like, guys, we are watching these comments like hawks. They make our day. (laughs) Several times a day. (laughs) Yes. No focus. Send us your stories. Tell us tell us some tales. Give us some stuff to investigate. Our email is the letters A N A Tall Tales at gmail.com. Like I said, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, we watch it all. We do. Send us your stories. Tell your friends about us. Give us a a like, a review, rate us. We will see you guys next time. We will see you guys next time. This has been ANA Tall Tales, an independently written, recorded, and produced podcast. Our intro sounds are Crackling Fireplace by Julius H. and Nightwoods by Widget Studios. Our intro song is Harmonica Solo by Julius H. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.